0: Welcome in to another episode of the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast on the Believe Sports Network. My name is Gabe Anderson, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Chris Emerson. Chris, how are we doing? We're doing really good, you know. Sitting number one in the West, no complaints. Um,
1: You know, we're playing tough. We're playing a nice
0: 1999 basketball. That that is, and when you mentioned nineteen ninety nine basketball, what is the stat? Like we've held at least seven teams under a hundred points this year, and it's it's just crazy. It's crazy watching at the end of the game and being and and hoping that hoping that the the second string guys are like the Wendell Moors or the Luca Garza can keep the other team under hundred. It's it's kind of fun watching that getting into into those scenarios.
1: And there's been some times where they haven't, and it's been like, oh, you gave up 13 quick points, dang, you know, now now it's not under 100. But, you know, it's it's uh, it's great to see those guys in the game because we're up by so many. Uh, not too many years ago, we would see those guys in the game because we were down by so many. So right. we'll take it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the first thing I want to talk about. Uh, the Wolves, particularly on this run so far this year, they've really been taking care of business it's it's been like and i know they say it a lot on the broadcast with with jim peterson and whatnot but it's almost like a business-like approach like for example the the memphis game the memphis like probably eight players out and a lot of them notables of course you got jaw with his stuff going on uh, marcus spartz out steven adams out tons of players out and what do the wolves do A they come out of the they come out of the locker room build a big lead that kind of goes away but then the another game where the other team's shorthanded and the wolves don't even let them within within ten like they keep it a double digit lead the entire time this workman like approach by the wolves has been greatly needed and and I've been love watching it
1: you know it's beautiful and it and it seems to me watching from from you know my vantage point that a lot of it is just simplifying the game like. Instead of having Carl Anthony Towns on the perimeter trying to shut down his guy, when his guy gets by him, all he does is like angle him in a direction he wants him to go. Like he doesn't try to get back in front, he just slides and angles him towards Rudy. Um, and it's been effective. And Rudy, when he catches the ball at, you know, 12 feet or, or, or eight feet and he can't, dunk, he's been doing great at kicking it out to another guy. Like don't try to do too mm-hmm. much. Do what you can do. And if you can't, if you can't finish or something, pass it off and let somebody else give it a shot. So it's been great. And w- what I've really loved this year is, you know, watching people develop, like Anthony Edwards being a better passer, and even Carl Anthony Towns and Gobert. But what makes up for it is when those guys make the extra pass, are you know like C-level guys have been hitting that shot, which is huge because that's what makes those guys keep making the correct play, keep making the right pass, um, you know, and not get into the, well, maybe I'll hero ball at this game. So it's been great to see, um, you know, hats off to Chris Finch. He's really put it together, and the guys all seem like they're buying
0: in. I, I will tell you, uh, it's a much better position to be coach-wise than than the other mid-level uh, Minnesota team who just fired their coach today, the Minnesota Wild. I don't know if you heard about that, but I'd much rather be Chris Finch than Dean Evison right now. But t- talking more Wolves, Mike Conley yesterday against, the, uh, against the, the Memphis Grizzlies, going home against his former team where he made his name, just huge performance out of Mike Conley, just hitting shots. And particularly, it seems like Mike Conley, is the guy that when the Wolves need, like, okay, maybe the other team's on, like, a 7-0 run or something and, and things are could, yeah. could, could go downhill, it's like, nice Mike Conley floater. If Conley hits a free. Like, hey, guys, let's just settle down and use this veteran leadership. That's what I've loved out of Conley this year. It's unbelievable.
1: He's made so many big shots. I saw today he's shooting, like, 65 percent from the corner which is unheard of except for when you look at the fact that he shot 55 percent from the corner last year so like that's his shot and we're finding him in those spots he knows where he can be effective and he's been great no it's it's been a great season so far and um you know finch is pushing Connolly to be a little bit more proactive on the offensive end and he stepped up last night at last night and really developed
0: He did. And I I found the tweet. It was Dane Moore tweeting. uh, You were right. Mike Conley, 64% on corner threes, which is exactly what we need him to do. And we've said time and time again, he's such a better fit than D'Lo. Like D'Lo, yes, we'll say it time and time again. D'Lo has a longer career ahead of him, and he's probably a better offensive player. But the stability... And just the the basketball IQ that Con, that Conley brings, that Delo didn't bring. I mean, just watch his watch his. Uh, he at the beginning of the season, it seemed like Mike Conley was kind of forcing the ball to Rudy Gobert, almost kind of feeling like he had to get Gobert the ball. Now it's seamless. Now it's now it's. Conley, Conley has almost has the opportunity. I've seen it a couple times he has the opportunity to shoot, but he's so unselfish that he'd rather just float it up to go bear. And of course the seven, two guys going to go get it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's been great watching the dynamic between those two.
1: Yeah. It seems like, I mean, it seems it, it's kind of sad to say that, well, maybe this continuity thing's a real good thing. You know, like maybe having the same, you know, basic starting lineup for two years in a row, Mm -hmm. something that Timberwolves really haven't had in, I don't know, a decade and a half is a good idea, you know, and they're starting to figure it out and we're starting to cut out the things that our players don't do well and they're settling for the things they do. Like how many times have we seen slow-mo who is not a good shooter uh, instead of taking the open three, do a slow drive and then, you know, probe in the middle, get a little floater, get a little something, get a little pass. Like Mm -hmm. don't take the shot that you can't shoot at this point. You know, we're number one in the West. We don't need to get greedy. So it's been beautiful basketball. And I feel like we've got a lot that we can even improve on.
0: I agree. And uh, what you said about slow-mo too, I, I like what you said. He's not a great shooter. He's also, and I know they brought this up on the broadcast too. He's also really not a willing shooter. Like he does not want to take like a corner three. And it's just, it's just not in his nature. It's just, it's never who he's been. But like you said, he can probe in the middle. I love what I love for for uh for slow-mo is when he's playing the high post, he's great. Just a little yeah. high post when they're playing a zone, a little dump off to that's his game. A little floater over the top, or he can throw it to the short corner uh, for a dunk to to Cat or or uh, to Rudy. That's been great. Another – I think my – and I've said this on the show before. I think my favorite play that I see the Timberwolves run is the big-to-big big alley-oops. I cannot get enough. When Cat gets the ball – and that's, that's the thing. Cat has not been the guy who's taken – he's been so much better this year. He hasn't posted up and taken, like, 30 dribbles – and then, and then try to try to muscle a guy in the paint. He's been so much better with his decision making, but particularly when he gets the ball, even sometimes in stride, sees the opening, throws it up to Rudy for the dunk. That big to big action is something I don't think the NBA has seen in a long time. I, I think the only place I've seen it, I've I've been watching a little bit of uh, Cleveland Cavaliers basketball, and it's almost like when um, uh, Evan Mobley throws it up to Jared Allen. But there, there are definitely similarities between the two, and it's it's been a beautiful thing to watch.
1: Yeah, the first time I remember seeing that most was the old Clippers when they had Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. Blake yep. Griffin would drive to the middle, and it's like, well, you can step up and stop me, and if you do, then I just toss it over your head to DeAndre Jordan for the dunk, or you stay back with DeAndre Jordan, and I take the layup. You know, you put these defenders at a real tough spot and Cat has learned that instead of trying to force his way through that and maybe try to get a foul call or whatever, take the easy lob, like yep. take the easy play. There's no need to make the basketball harder than it needs to be.
0: Right, absolutely. So in Cat, another thing I've loved is that, like we were saying, he's been he's been picking his spots a lot more. He's not trying to force the issue. I think he's he's starting to learn that. I have I, I have a star like Anthony Edwards who we haven't even mentioned on the podcast yet really that much. I have a star like Anthony Edwards. I have perimeter shooters that can make shots. I don't need to force the issue. I don't need to take this possession um, and, and just kind of chokehold it which Anthony right. Edwards has been guilty of doing that a little bit but I think he's getting better. but I think cat I think cat is really finding his role right now. And I, I think, I think this is honestly, uh, in a way, the best cat that we have ever seen. Because when Cat back in the day was like putting up what, like twenty six and ten, he wasn't winning games. He was not. He was not winning games. But this Cat, who is picking his spots and and, and just relying on his three point shot, relying on his ability to get to the basket off the dribble, I think he's been great.
1: Unbelievable. And then his defense, like yeah. it's so it's so undervalued because his defense isn't um splashy. Like he's not getting blocks, he's not getting steals. The way that he is sliding his feet versus much quicker more and just kind of I mean, Rudy Gobert's willingness to be a passer off this off the roll and Carl Anthony Town Ta- or Anthony bounding. Um Those have been the three biggest things that I think have given us the most improvement this year.
0: And and then when you talk about defense, you got to talk about Rudy Gobert. This, this is the Gobert that Tim Connolly traded for. Like this is the guy, this is exactly who we're seeing. I think he's like, I I saw a power rankings for defensive player of the year. He's second to Anthony Davis, but he's been fantastic. And, He's shooting like sixty percent from the field as well. And another thing that I've seen about Rudy, particularly recently, he's kind of building a little bit of a post game. Now we're not talking Akeem Elijahwan here type of post game, but I have seen him a couple times bury a guy in the post, take a couple dribbles, and then either put up a hook hook shot or just dunk it. I, I think at the what is he thirty one? I think thirty one. I think at age 31, he's starting to improve his offensive game a little. Which, if he even has, um, if he even has somewhat of an offensive game with the defensive game that he brings, man, I I love the trade.
1: Well, it's just this whole—it's the same thing. Like I've been saying, is do what you're good at. Like Rudy Gobert, dunk the ball, or do a four-foot hook, mm-hmm. or pass it. You know, that's it. Carl Anthony Towns, shoot that three-pointer, straight-line drive or pass it, you know, Mike Connolly, shoot that three pointer from the wing or from the, from the corner or move the ball, you know, simple things or that floater, you know, like do, you don't have to get into the weeds trying to, you know, make some fancy move. Like I'm glad I haven't seen Carl Anthony Towns with that, like rings a Saturn move around his legs yeah. and tries to do when he's standing there. I haven't seen as many of his like behind the back, like over his head passes that are just, absolutely trash by far the worst fancy passer in the NBA. Um, I haven't seen much of that, you know, and even the last couple games, he hasn't even been crying to the refs as hard. So, you know, baby steps in those directions make huge leaps for an entire team. And just those vets like slow-mo doing just what he's good at. And that little, like all those things where like, Oh, if slow-mo can do that, Nas Reed's got to be like, well, shoot, I got that shot. I can be effective like that. Like, These are just learning things that these younger guys can learn how to be effective later in their life, or even just add something new to their game.
0: So the Timberwolves, they are off to their best start in franchise history, 12 and four, which is crazy to say. The crazy thing is, if this was an NFL season, we'd have one meaningless week 17 or week 18. And then we'd be in the playoffs Already, I would think at 12 and four, you would already be on top of your division, but maybe not. It just depends on the year. But uh, one, one thing I wanted to point out is I was looking up plus minus, which doesn't necessarily say everything about how a, a team is performing, but I just want to read some of these plus minuses here that I found. Anthony Edwards leading the league at 199 plus minus. Uh, Another guy's here, Mike Conley, actually, second on the team with 135, Rudy at 133, and Towns at 129. Pretty impressive numbers.
1: Yeah, I mean, those are our four starters. Um, The fact that Anthony Edwards is 50, 60-some points ahead of that kind of lets you know that we might, you know, we might be at a little bit of a loss when he's out. You know, like, he needs – One of the things if I wanted to be picky about the number one team in the West, um, you know, we need a little bit more dynamic guard play um, off the bench. Uh, So that would be something that I want to look forward to. But, you know, when you're in the number one team, you can't be too picky right now. I don't want to I don't want to throw too much water on our fire. But, uh, yeah, Anthony Edwards is unbelievable. And when he's in the game, it feels like night and day difference than when
0: he's out. And I think that's why um, it feels like that uh, – given, not given foul trouble, uh, Coach Finch tries to keep one, at least one dynamic playmaker in the game in some capacity. And unfortunately, I don't – in that realm, I don't include Nas yet because it seems like yeah. either Cat either or Ant is in the game at some capacity and most times um, – Which uh, obviously, unless Cat is in follow trouble, so I I don't know. It's we see some interesting lineups. Nikhil Alexander Walker has been good, I I think, playing, and that's what we've been saying. If Nikhil Alexander Walker can be at least ninety percent, or I would say eighty percent of of what Jaden gives us, then that's an absolute win. Considering he was just the throw in uh, or in the uh, in the Conley trade, like hey, let's see what let's see what the kids got. Uh, He's been great. Um, yeah, so yeah. it's just, it's, it's been fun to watch him and you can tell he, I know he just got a contract, but he's almost playing every single night. Like he's playing for a contract, like he's playing like a guy on a 10 day contract. He is, he is intense all over, all over the ball on defense and he's hit a couple shots here and there.
1: I'm not hundred percent sure. I'll have to look into it. I think that, I think his contract is one of those that has team options for, most of the, the coming years so it's possible that he legitimately is playing for a contract but he's definitely playing for playing time mm-hmm. and you know I don't think we made a video earlier a couple you know uh, it was last year where I was saying it's possible that the move is to not sign Jaden McDaniels to a huge contract and to you know play with Naw taking up his his defensive role mm-hmm. um, and then mm-hmm. have. You know Minot and Leonard Miller coming up in the future, as you know, our our you know small forward, power forward kind of combo guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I'm not going to complain about having Nik- Nikhil Alexander Walker and uh, McDaniel's once he comes back from that ankle.
0: Right, and and, and it's interesting. I remember we were talking about kind of in that video in particular the cap situation for the Wolves and. And that, that it might be kind of murky coming up here, but at this point, who cares? Maybe, maybe the timeline has been sped up more than we thought. Cause I mean, we're number one in the West right now. I, 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 saw it going through. I think we're six best odds, six or seventh best odds to win the championship. Now I, I don't want to go too far, but I mean, when are you ever going to get a better start than this?
1: Yeah. I mean, with new owners coming in, um, you know, when you're finishing first, second, or third in the West, that goes a long ways between them opening their pockets and maybe paying some of those penalties to keep these guys around. So um, when everyone was saying we're going to have to get rid of these players, me being included, because I just don't see them paying $100 million in penalties in a couple of years, uh, you know, maybe if you got a ring on your finger, maybe it's a little easier to reach into that pocket. So we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and so one thing I wanted to do on this podcast was um, kind, kind of talk about a comparison. Obviously, when Timberwolves fans look back with rose-colored glasses, they think of the 03-04 season, where obviously you win 58 games, you go to the Western Conference yep. Finals, you beat the Kings, and and the and the Nuggets in the rookie year of uh, Carmelo Anthony, you go to Game Seven against the Kings, win it there, and then unfortunately, um, Sam Cassell gets hurt, and and you don't get to go to the Finals, but you do make the Western Conference Finals. How how, how do you and particularly, I was a young kid when that happened. Um, I I remember obviously, I remember Garnett, I remember like Zerbiak and Cassell and stuff like that. How does this team kind of compare to the oh three oh four team from someone who was there?
1: Yeah, so I was in the stands for some of those games um from that playoff run. Uh the difference to me is is this team is by far more talented. Um, and I don't even think it's really that close. But what that oh4 or three oh four team had was a lot more veteran talent. Like, you know, guys with 10 plus years in, you know, 15 years in, and they were, you know, not many years left on them, but they were you know, all hungry because it was maybe their last run. Like Cassell didn't have much left. Sprewell didn't have much left. Um, Irvin Johnson, our starting center didn't have much left. He was just kind of a defensive guy and we were kind of all just riding on fumes. Whereas this team, you know, we've got some older guys, but it feels like we're at that same level of ability and we're just scratching the surface of ability. Like, Carl Anthony Towns isn't in his prime yet. Uh, Rudy Gobert might be, but he's the type of guy that, you know, if you're dunking the ball and playing smart defense and rebounding, mm-hmm. there's some longevity to that. So it's not like that's a, that's something that's going to, you know, fade away quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Conley's another issue. He's getting older, but, he, man, he looks spry, man. He's defending like anyone else can. So um, I would say that the biggest difference is that team that we had, was on the downswing of their career at that point, and the team we have now is on the upswing of their career, and we're still at the same level. So it's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and it's obviously it's hard to compare them because it's a completely different game now ever since Curry and Lillard came. Yeah. And it's much more three-point oriented, and let's just say you're not throwing the ball to KG 30 times a game in the post where he's hitting that he's in that jumper, but yeah, it's, he, it's an interesting parallel between the two teams and hopefully similar results. Like we'll see. I mean, hopefully you'd like to think he, I got, I got to ask you a question on the spot, on the spot. Cassell okay. doesn't, Cassell doesn't do what he does. He doesn't get hurt. Do they beat the Lakers? No, you don't think so. Okay. Well,
1: I don't think that, I, I don't think the NBA would have let that happen
0: oh, to okay. be honest <laughs>
1: with you. Um, And I think that's a very real thing, especially back in that era. Um, I don't think they were going to let a Minnesota Timberwolves team represent in the finals when there was a Los Angeles team that could have done it. So um, I don't think so. And, uh, you know, that's okay. We probably weren't even the better team, but I don't think that um, the NBA would have let that happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard for me because, I mean, we're talking Shaq and Kobe like that is that is a dynasty that now obviously you got lebron and davis but there was something about Shaq and kobe the dominance like davis like,
1: yeah davis shouldn't even be in the category of those guys to be honest with you like his is just based on potential which is hard to say what a guy's potential is what is he 13 12 years in at this point and he's people are still hoping like what he could be um you know he's just not healthy enough he's not consistent enough um he yeah I I wouldn't put him in there. But yeah, I mean, the Lakers are not the same. And again, same as LeBron, he's on his downside, if that's even humanly possible for a guy leading the NBA, I heard in fast break points at the age of, what is he, 45? You know, like whatever he is. Like it's unbelievable.
0: Just, and we should almost do a podcast on it. Um, It's one, particularly maybe in the offseason. What what happened the year after O three oh four? Like the downfall, the Dwayne Casey, the every everything that went down after that, the, that. I think that would be an interesting podcast at some
1: point. Sprewell wanting a new contract. We <laughs> offered him one. He said it wasn't enough. Feed his family, classic. Um yeah, Cassell was kind of banged up. Yeah, it was rough. It was. Um, but like I said, we were on the last strings of that of that run, so we got we milked it for as much as we could. I was pretty happy with that team. I mean, and what people don't understand is, you know, younger fans of the Timberwolves have this folklore of this Kevin Garnett era and how amazing it was, and it was that year. That was it. Like never once in his entire career has he did he get out of the first round. Mm-hmm. You know, we were the team that was habitually, you know, right on the edge of being in the playoffs or not and we would just get beat first round every year. So mm-hmm. I think it was like six or seven years in a row we lost in the first round. So worst place to be in professional sports. So we weren't that good under in the Kevin Garnett era. Mm-hmm. Um we're a much better team now. And you know if we get out of the first round, which seems like it should be a pretty easy thing to do this year with health, knock on wood, mm-hmm. um we're already equaling you know co- you know, Anthony Edwards is equaling the amount of times that Kevin Garnett got us out of the first round.
0: So so let, let's talk about the Wolves' schedule going forward, um, looking forward this week. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, huge game. Ooh. Huge game. Um, huge. And uh, we're not going to get into the Josh Giddey stuff because um, I feel like other podcasts can do that. But uh, that's crazy. <laughs>
1: Until I know what happened, you know. Yeah. All that we know so far is that uh you know a high school kid made a tweet and everyone's taking that as something. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. So so huge ca- I will actually be in attendance tomorrow. Cannot wait for that one. Uh d- and that place is gonna be rocking the, the oh yeah, still a potential to to make the play in tournament, although I will say the point differential of the Kings game hurt that a lot. Um, so it, it, it's possible, but I'd much rather – I'm much worried about making a statement and beating the Thunder than I am making the, uh, the in-season tournament. So so what, let, let's talk about some of the keys to that game, and then we'll wrap it up. It seems like um, last year in the play-in tournament, the Wolves really used their height against the, the Oklahoma City Thunder almost to death. Cat had a big game. Rudy had a big game that day. Uh, I think it could be a lot different. With a guy like Shed Holmgren, who by all accounts is looking great this season, putting up big numbers, but how you see this matchup going down?
1: You know, my, my biggest concern is just to keep Nikhil Alex or to keep Shea Gil, just to keep his cousin, Nikhil Alexander Walker's cousin, out of the paint. Yep. You know that guy is a monster at the free throw line. He racks up fouls on your guys. I don't want to see much of Shea Milton in this game. You know, so I we need Nau to stay out of foul trouble. We need Conley, you know, and, and Anthony Edwards out of foul trouble. So as long as we can defend him, you know, I, I like what Chet's doing, but we should be able to handle most of his game. So, um, you know, we'll go from there. It's going to be a wild game, and it's kind of hard to even expect for me what to do with this OKC team because I haven't really seen or laid good eyes on them to see what they're doing. I mean, they've got – you know, Giddy as a six-nine point guard, they've got, you know, Homegrown shooting, you know, fifty percent from three, damn near. Like it's a really interesting, um, strange team, and they play strange. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens.
0: Yeah, and I think that uh, Amps will be definitely up for this one. He seems against big opponents like Shea Gildress Alexander. He's gonna want to make a statement and say, "Hey, I I am the top dog." In the Western oh, yeah. Conference right now. I mean, it's one versus two. When was the last time the uh we had a number one versus number two seed? And a, when's the last time that included the Wolves? And and B, when's the last time that included the Thunder? Like this is yeah,
1: right, never. Obviously, this
0: is this is the fresh blood of the NBA, and I, I think a lot of people are going to be watching this game now. I know it's not a nationally televised game, but. You got if you if you're listening in a different another state and you got a league pass, I would clear your plan tomorrow night because it, it is going to be a fun one. Agreed, one
1: hundred percent.
0: Well, Chris, uh, Chris, thanks so much for being here.
1: Yeah, it's been beautiful, man. I'll talk Timberwolves any day, especially the way we're playing.
0: Absolutely. And this is the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast on the Believe Sports Network. Make sure to leave a five-star review and tell us what you think of the podcast, what you liked, what you think we can improve. And this is the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. And as always, go Wolves.